Hello, we're pleased you've been able to tune in to Finding Truth Matters with Dr. Andrew Corbett. Welcome to the program. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil. And where are they? In the heavenly When people talk about heaven, do they mean the sky that we can see or the cosmos that we can explore using telescopes and the like? Or is there another kind of dimension? Where is it and who lives there? The Bible tells us that God made the heavens and the earth and that in the spiritual realm there is a battle in play. Dr. Corbett is exploring this spiritual realm and the battle that's in play in a short series. So let's join him now for part two of Spiritual Warfare for Beginners. I told, like last Sunday, I think I mentioned too, that we are looking at doing something quite literally impossible. And, and I'm excited about that because if it was possible, there's, there, you know, we don't actually need God. You know what I'm saying? We, when it's impossible, you need God. So I'm, I'm really excited about what's happening. If you didn't hear what I was attempting to say last, in my last session that, on, on this series on spiritual warfare, let, let me make this clear. Evangelism and, and planning to reach out and see people come to know Christ is spiritual warfare. It is spiritual warfare. And a part of, a part of the enemy's whisper, which I would really appreciate everyone here praying about this because there's a, there's a number of things that I'm super sensitive about. And one of them is that whenever... If, you can, if, if I can give you this word picture, if you're, if you're a part of a, a family where you're the only child and you hear your mum and dad talking about, you know, we're, we're planning on having another child, sometimes the, the only child gets a bit threatened by that. In fact, when we had our first child, Tyrone, when we brought Ebony home, Tyrone became very distant to Kim. And it was just because it was like, who's invaded my space? Who is this little person you've brought in that I had complete domain over? Now someone's in my domain. And it was an interesting phenomenon. And I think in church, when you, the danger is that when we talk about evangelism, some people hear it as, oh, now that I'm saved, I don't matter. And I really want us to pray that that's not the case. And so it's, we, we, we are trying to do several things at once and i think that's a sign of maturity can you see what i'm coming from when when you just when when you can only focus on one thing at a time apart from being a bloke it's also uh women seem to be able to hold a baby on the phone make the make dinner and you know but guys can't it's like no i'm 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 doing one but when we grow up a bit when we mature we realize life is complex and that's okay you can do multiple things for a church, that looks like figuring out how we care for people, how we grow people by feeding them the word of God. And I thought what, what Jenny shared this morning was outstanding. That was just brilliant. She was very reluctant to share, but I'm so glad she did. And I'm thrilled, June, that you were blessed by what she said because it was really, really good. And... Karen's story, I've been, I've been reluctant to ask Karen to share her story, but now she's coming into a place where she's able to share it with, as I hope you've heard, without it 
creating too much negative emotion for it. So that, that's beautiful as well. So as we move forward and we're talking about reaching people for Christ, I, I don't want people to think, well, I don't matter now because I'm already a Christian. The, I'm very, very careful to use the word journey to describe what we're doing. You know, we're all on a journey. And I, I hope you realize that when you come to Christ, that's kind of, in one sense, it's the start of a journey, but I guarantee you, it's not the start of the journey that God's had you on. Do you, you hear what I'm saying? So he, he takes us on a journey to bring us to that point, And that's not the end. That's a new beginning, a new, a new chapter in that journey. For us, I want to be very, very careful that when I use language like the Tasmania celebration is going to be an exercise in spiritual warfare, that I don't, I don't want you to think in terms of um, dropping your guard theologically and, and opening up to all kinds of silly nonsense. So this, what I'm doing now in this three-part series, is just a little preempting. It's a little preempting to help us as a church to recognise that spiritual warfare looks essentially, if I can boil it down, give you the conclusion, we could just about pronounce the benediction and we're done. But let me tell you what it is. It's prayer and it's evangelism. That's it. That, that's essentially it. The rest of it is doing what you do as the church. So please hear my heart in this. What we do when we assemble as a church is designed to build, equip, bless, feed and guard the church. Please hear my heart. Now, if you hear my heart, you'll hear me say this and you'll get it. That when we do the Tasmania celebration, it's not going to be church services. It will be outreach because we want to reach the unchurched. I wanted, there's a number of things I'm, I'm working toward at the moment. One of them is to get 2,000 Facebook likes on the, on the Facebook page, which is promoting the Tasmania celebration, which is Launceston Churches Together. Last week we had 150. I paid Facebook $28 to get me a few more. And we now have, I think, 168. So they were expensive friends to get. But I, I've actually said on that page that by November 19, I want to have 2,000. Now you go, oh, that's impossible. I said, I know, that's, what, that, that's a part of the journey, right? <laughs> this is God doing the impossible. So that by the time we get to May 2022, you're all going to go, man, there were so many impossible coincidences that have happened between now and May 2022. And I really do hope that that's the case. So spiritual warfare for beginners. We're all beginners in this. We're all learning about this. I've got the background picture here is, is a weird looking sheep. And it's a sheep with a very distinct wolf's face. Jesus said something about that, didn't he? And Paul said something about that as well. In this instalment, I want to talk about so that we're very, very clear that there is a spiritual realm. We can't ignore it. The danger that is what I'm actually trying to avert by sharing what I'm sharing now. And the danger is that we become susceptible to nonsense and get, we are lured away from the truth of God's word. So if you can bear with me, I want to talk to you about the heavenly realm 
which is the spiritual realm, which the Apostle Paul calls uh, heavenly places. Because you'd think he was talking about heaven, he'd talk about the place singular of heaven. But he calls it five times in his epistle to the Ephesians. He uses this expression, heavenly places, plural. Hmm. So I'm going to open up with an odd verse to make this case. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Hmm. You see, if it was just heaven and earth, you can see the opening verse of the Bible, the heavens and the earth. Hmm. So here's what I think we're going to discover as we look at the Bible, particularly anything in the Old Testament. Hebrew is one of those wild card languages. What I mean by that is language generally works by, by context. Hebrew in particular, words can have, and, and you can verify this by simply looking at your Strong's Concordance or something like that. It will tell you a word like, and I'm going to give you a word and I'm going to refer to it just to make this point. The word ache, ache, in English, A-R-C-H-E. The E has an A sound. Ache, ache. It means this. Ruler, power, older, authority. Now that's Greek. In Hebrew, that word, can, the, the word that's used there, only makes sense when it's in the flow of the thought of all the other words. Now, I'm going to come back to that word arche, the Greek word in a moment. But the Bible uses this word heaven, uranos in the Greek, to, to mean the sky. And we are really super blessed to live in Tasmania. Does anyone know why we're super blessed to live in Tasmania when it comes to sky? Because we have a, we have a, a particular view of the night sky not visible anywhere else in the world. It's absolutely extraordinary. The Milky Way is right overhead in Tasmania. And you might think, well, it's overhead everywhere in the world. No, it's actually not. I remember I went to Queensland to take photos of the Milky Way and I'm going, where is it? I used to I go out in my driveway in winter. I look up and go, wowzers, look at that. Amazing, right there, right there. I take photos of it with my camera in my driveway. Click, process it through Lightroom on my computer. And it comes out all the colours and all the galaxies and everything. I'm thinking, wow. It's, I'm, I'm amazed that people all over the world aren't doing this right now. Well, not anymore. They can't see it. We can see it. That's just, by the way, I'm digressing. But the Bible uses the night sky to talk about the heavens. God told Abraham, look up to the heavens. He was talking about the night sky. Count the number of stars, he said. So we've got this use of the word heaven to mean sky or night sky or the heavenly realm or the heavenly dimension. I'm, I'm going to use that word dimension very particularly because this dimension is made up of four attributes, four things make up this dimension that we're in. Height, width, depth, and what's the last one? Time, correct. But in that dimension, it's different. It's a... It's a spiritual dimension, but I don't want you to think it's, it's a nothing dimension because it's a something dimension. All right. 
So we've got some verses here. Psalm 103, verse 19. The Lord established his throne in the heavens. Now, what does that word throne mean? Where he rules from. Where he rules from. And his kingdom rules over all. So this, this is called Hebrew parallelism. Make a statement and say it a different way in the next line. So this is a use of the word heaven, where God dwells. And not just dwells, but rules. Psalm 104 is a creation psalm. It says this of God. You are clothed with splendor and majesty, covering yourself with light as with a garment, stretching out the heavens like a tent. Now, for the, all the astrophysicists here tonight, you would be aware that we live in an, what's called an expanding universe. The universe we live in is actually being stretched out. It's amazing. Did you know if you were to take a pen right now and do a full stop, that would represent something approximately 100 times bigger than the moment, the moment the universe began. It's called infinite density. And from that moment, it went out and expanded. And by the way, it's still expanding. And the psalmist said it about 1100 BC, that the heavens, the universe, was expanding. Ah, does your head in to think how God's word works. Now note this, this is the Lord's Prayer. This is Jesus. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven. Now the interesting thing is, it's as, it's as if... God has a location, and yet he's also, as we'll see in a moment, omnipresent. But, there, but there's something in the dimension of heaven where he dwells and he rules and his throne is. And Jesus is seemingly referring to that, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, not the heavens, but in heaven. All right, so heaven is meaning something here. So the heavenly dimension used by the Apostle Paul in particular, referred to even specifically in Ephesians as heavenly places. This is where evil, I'm going to use the word princes, and you'll see why in a moment, princes operate. So Ephesians 3.10, one of the five places. If you're taking notes, you might want to note Ephesians 1.3, and 6.12. But this is what it says. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Before I mentioned that word, arche, can mean ruler. That's the word used there for rulers, translated in English as rulers, arche. By the way, when we talk about an archangel, it's translated in English, English as A-R-C-H, archangel, because they don't know what to do with that. 
But if we take it in a literal sense, it means a princely ruling angel. Hmm. And, and, and we'll see why that's the case in them. Well, actually, let's have a look now. In the book of Daniel, chapter 9, he was reading through, he says, the prophet Jeremiah. He says that in the opening verses. And he sees in there a prophecy. And he does what you should do when you see a prophecy or a promise from God. You should pray it. Now, that sounds odd, because, and I think you called it a mystery, June. Why do we pray what God says will happen? Well, Daniel does, and he probably knew a thing, quite a bit more about prayer than I do, so I'm just going to do what he does. So he saw it, and he began to pray. He says he set his face to Jerusalem to seek the Lord, to pray that the prophecy of, Daniel, the prophecy of Jeremiah rather, would be fulfilled. Then, in the next chapter, we're confronted with him having an encounter with a heavenly being. A, I'm going to use the word a created heavenly being, so distinguish who, who we're talking about. Now, this is the really interesting thing. If an angel appeared in this room, like a heavenly being angel appeared in this room, would we know it? Answer, maybe not. Maybe not. Here's the next question. Are there any here right now? Hmm. Don't know. Don't know. But can I say, probably? Can they hear what we're saying and understand what we're saying? Yes, they can. How do they do that? I don't know. I'm trying to learn German at the moment. I do it one day, I go to it the next to revise. It's like, I forgot what I looked at yesterday. So I'm struggling, but somehow... These heavenly beings have a capacity to bypass our language and hear the intention of our heart. Ah, go figure that out. Therefore, be careful what you pray, because they're listening. So here we have Daniel. The thing, the thing that stuns me is I, I, went, I looked at this. It says that when he encountered the angel, the angel appeared to him. He had... He could see the angel. He calls that a vision of the angel. I have a vision of the angel every morning when I wake up. You're at the point. You, you bet I am. But it doesn't mean otherwise she's invisible. And Daniel's saying he had a vision of this angel. We're not told its name. We can guess. But this is the interesting thing. Daniel immediately, as soon as he could see the angel, he said, I became incredibly weak and all strength was drained from me and I collapsed. Well, that's interesting. Then the angel did something. Now, if, it's a, if you're thinking angels like ghosts, this will mess with you because the, it says, the angel reached out his hand and touched me and lifted me up. So it's not like those ghost movies where the, the ghost, you know, his hand goes right through the... It's not that. So these, these are actual beings that can do actual things in a supra-physical way. Do you understand what I mean by supra? We have um, man. We have... Just come here, Josiah, for a moment. Man. Just do this. Yep. Super man. <laughs> which means better than me, right? 
And then if there, was, if there was someone who could do more than Josiah could do, he might be supra. In other words, he's above again. Supra. Thank you. You can sit down. Thank you. So, sup, so man, superman, supra. Oh, is, are, you, are you superman? Are you, uh, Jared? Oh, you got your t-shirt in the now. Well, <laughs> can't argue the logic there. I... Okay, so Daniel encounters this person. The scripture says, the prince of the kingdom of Persia, this is this being that's talking with him, withstood me 21 days, but Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. So you might be thinking, if you don't know your Bible very well, you think, look, I'm not that familiar with the kings of Judah. Um, Maybe there was a a king who had a son by the name of uh, Michael, So maybe that's the prince that he's referring to, maybe. But it's not, it's someone else. And we'll see that in a moment. We'll see why. So it came to help me. I was left there with the kings of Persia. So something's going on. This is really intriguing. Remember, Daniel's praying that Jeremiah's prophecy will be fulfilled. This heavenly being comes to Daniel and says this, from the moment you started praying, we were activated to answer it. Oh, in the spiritual realm. Oh, I, I just find, you know, we talk about prayer being a mystery. That's, wow, what's going on there? And this is what I tried to establish in our last session. When God created the heavens and the earth, he created the heavens populated with heavenly beings. Psalm 82, which Jesus quotes, he talks about a council of heavenly beings. The council of the heavenly beings. It's as if when God created, you get this, God has always been, we'll see this in a moment, God has always been Father, Son and Holy Spirit. But when he created these heavenly beings, so when God created these beings, he created them, and this is the mystery to me. It is a mystery. He created these beings to have a share in, in how he ran the universe. They were given power to administer, to manage, to lead other heavenly creatures. It's fascinating, but it tells me something about God. He's not a loner. He's not the guy who does everything. It's amazing when you think about when God created us, mankind, he also created us to rule and reign this dimension of earth. He actually says that, right? Genesis 1.26, have dominion over what I've just created. Here's these creatures that he takes, he takes, he gets their opinion. He, it, it's amazing. When you think about it, it should tell us a lot about how we are to do church. And, I, I, and please hear my heart in this. If you're leading people, lead like God, because God lets people make a choice and a decision, even if it's going to result in a mistake. Now, what does that, that should tell us as leaders here tonight? We can be patient with people because God is with us. <laughs> Does anyone else feel like dropping to their knees, lifting their hands in the air and going, thank you, God. So here's, here's this person. Let's go down to verse 21. It says this of, of Daniel chapter 10. But I will tell you what is inscribed in the book of truth. There is none who contends by my side against these except Michael, your prince. Now we're getting this picture. And we know later on in scripture 
that Michael is referred to as, it's in uh, Jude, uh, the Archangel Michael. And we have this Hallmark greeting card picture of the Archangel, you know, Christmas time, Archangel, da da da, without realising what that ach means. It doesn't mean, you know, got a sore back and he's arched over the Archangel. It's ach in the sense of the Greek word rules, mighty, powerful, full of authority. So this is what's going on when Daniel's praying. Somehow these angels are activated. These super duper awesome powerful angels are activated. Now the Apostle Paul could describe heaven as having three distinct realms. The three, the three realms of heaven. Where, and it's in the third realm, that God rules. Where, where are you getting that from? Well, thank you for asking. Let me show you. It says it here. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. But it, it, he goes on and he says, And when I was there, I heard worship because I was in the presence of God and I was right in his throne room and he calls it the third heaven. The third heaven. Man. And, you know, he comes back and he's saying, I can't tell you what I heard because it wouldn't be right. Wowzers. Think about this. When we leave this dimension, that's where we're going. (laughs) Awesome. But don't go just yet. We've got a celebration to run. And don't go after that either because we've got the follow-up to do. And we want to live every day to the glory of God. So many scholars regard that the first heaven is the material sky, the night sky, the material sky. Uh, Look up to the heavens. and, and, And they're talking about the night sky, the stars, that kind of thing, the first heaven. So what's the second heaven? It quite possibly is this place that Paul's referring to in one of those references in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil. And where are they? In the heavenly places. This, quite possibly, we could say, is the second heaven. Now, if we want to know what the first heaven looks like, we've only got a few scriptures that tell us. If we want to know what the second heavenly realm looks like, this place that Paul's talking about, where when we pray, we are wrestling against rulers, authorities, cosmic powers. Let me go back. So that's a realm where the forces of darkness are. Now, I've accidentally hit my screen and it's brought this next slide up, so let's jump to this one. There's few places in the Bible I mentioned where we can see what heaven's like, except here's some of them. Isaiah chapter 6, we get a picture of God in, in, in his throne, throne room, where there's seraphim above, cherubim there and so on. But one of the clearest pictures we get is in the book of Revelation. And in the book of Revelation, we actually get a very clear vision of the throne room of God. And it's quite amazing. What do we see in that, in that third heaven? We see some of these creatures mentioned there. Seraphim. 
Isaiah chapter 6 verse 1 describes them as gargantuanly big, incredibly powerful. And what do they do? They lead all of heaven in worship. That's what we read in Isaiah chapter 6. Then we see cherubim. These are unbelievably powerful creatures. Like, it's just hard to fathom the incredible power that they have. And in Ezekiel chapter uh, 2 and 3, they are described as beings that have uh, four faces. They, they have two force fields around them, described as wheels, a wheel within a wheel. So they're amazing creatures. Then there's these other creatures called archangels. Now in Jewish tradition, there's seven of them. That doesn't mean there are seven of them. That just means that's what Jewish tradition says. That's all. So just be mindful of how I'm treating these passages. Then there's messenger angels. Now, does anyone know what the word angel means? Messenger. So I'm actually being a bit double up here, but I'm doing it very intentionally because all of these creatures are described as angels. In other words, all of them perform some ability to communicate a message to someone somehow. So <clears throat> if you can follow the drift here, these messenger angels, I actually don't know what they're called. Angel is what they do. So I'm calling them heavenly creatures because they are. They're a creature and they dwell in this third heaven. And they are incredibly powerful. As incredibly powerful as they are, you go up the, the chain of command here and they just get more and more powerful. And probably my guess is the archangels are possibly, possibly the most powerful of the lot. But what happens in the forces of darkness? What, what, what sort of heavenly creatures in that second heavenly realm are we talking about? We've got words like this, demons. If you ever do a search in your Bible to find that word demon, do you know how many times it occurs in the Old Testament? Answer, not many. They're generally called evil spirits. The word demon only came after the Jews returned from the exile. Diamond, where in fact so does the word Satan and I've got Satan there as well but we don't know a lot about Satan and we don't know a lot about demons and I know that there are paperback books this thick at Kurung. I know that um, but I don't think many of them know what they're talking about because all we've really got is this and it doesn't tell us a lot about them but what we've got in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, tells us don't mess around with them. So this is where I want us to appreciate a couple of things. And next week, I'll, I'm really going to drive this home. But here's the first thought. Because it's, it's important that we understand demons, principalities and powers, powers of darkness and Satan. There's some of the words describing beings that are in the, the field of darkness in that second realm. So this is why we need to understand the uniqueness of Yahweh, the uniqueness of God. Yahweh is the Hebrew name of God. Note these words about God. He is uncreated. He is eternal. He is omniscient. What does that mean? He knows everything. 
omnipresent, omnipotent. So omnipresent, he's present everywhere. So omni means all. Omnipotent, omnipotent means he's all-powerful and he is immutable. He doesn't change in character. So Jesus is described in language similar to those words. It says here, to the king of, a of the ages, which that word ages is the Greek word aeon, which also means eternity. Immortal, invisible, doesn't mean he can't be seen. It means you just can't see him. The only God, be honour and glory forever and ever. Amen. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 17. So when it comes to spiritual warfare, I said it essentially boils down to two things. Anyone remember what the two things were? Prayer, prayer and evangelism. evangelism. Thank you very much. So let's have a look about prayer. Because if you want to be, a, if you want to be involved in spiritual warfare, you have to be involved in prayer. So here, let me ask, I think, I hope, a really obvious question. When we pray, who do we pray to? Dial it down for me. God being who? So we're praying to the Father through Jesus. Does that make sense? We're praying to the Father through Jesus. Jesus has given us access to the Father. Is it wrong to pray directly to Jesus? No, because he's God. Is it wrong to pray to the Holy Spirit? No, because he's God. The creeds tell us this. The Nicene Creed in particular tells us this. And it's right. It's true. So, prayer is us communicating to God. I have mentioned, or in fact I haven't mentioned, the possibility that there are other creatures in heaven. Anyone think of who I may have missed out? Saints, anyone? Saint Mary, thank you, Kimmy. Catholic girl school education didn't go to waste, did it? But let's just take the word saints. Now, what, what is it that in Catholic theology, we might have to get Kim up here as the expert in Catholic theology. What is it that you have to be to be a saint in Catholic theology? What's the first thing you have to be? Dead, thank you. Thank you. That's uh, 12 years of Catholic school education paying off right now. Six. Oh, that's true, six. So you have to be dead. Does the Bible say anything about attempting to talk to the dead? What does it say? Don't. Thank you. That's all you need to boil it down to. <laughs> Alan, I'm going to ask you a hard question. So get ready. Are you ready? What? What the, first, the, the, the last part of this word I'm looking for is mancy. When you're talking to the dead, it's called necra, necromancy. Thank you, Alan. <laughs> necromancy. And the Bible says don't do it. Don't do it. So this is one of the reasons why we need to be very careful that we don't attempt to pray to the dead. Don't. Do it. In the closing chapters of the book of Revelation, John is confronted with someone who says this. When John bows down to worship him, he says, don't do that because I am like you. I have the testimony of Jesus. 
And suddenly, when, when I read that, I go, oh, you're not an angel angel. You're a messenger, but you have the testimony of Jesus. No heavenly being angel has the testimony of Jesus. But this person did. And the moment John fell down to talk in, and worship him, he said, don't do it. And prayer is an aspect of worship. Because worship is surrender. When we are praying, we should be surrendering to God. We need to make sure our posture is correct. It's not God bowing down to serve us. That's not worship. But prayer is an act of worship. So we don't speak to the dead. But here's one more thing. We don't pray to Satan. Now that should not be controversial. And I see many people nodding, going, yeah, yeah, of course. But how many times have we been in a particularly Pentecostal prayer meeting where people have started off talking to God and next thing they're yelling at the devil in their prayer? This should trouble us. And the reason it should trouble us is because when Michael disputed over the body of Moses with Satan, he would not talk to him, it says in the epistle of Jude. But he simply said, anyone know what he simply said? The Lord rebuke you. And he wouldn't dispute. He just took the, the body of Moses without having a wrangle with Satan over it, he did what the Lord had commanded and he reminded Satan of it as well. And that's it. Didn't engage with him, didn't talk with him. There is only one person in scripture who is authorised to speak to Satan. Anyone want to take a stab? Jesus. That's right. Jesus. There's a lot of things Jesus is authorised to do which we are not. He's authorised to receive worship. We are not. He's authorised to speak to the wind and the waves and they must obey him because they're his. I can speak to the rain all I like. Doesn't listen because I'm not God. Please hear me in this because I want us to make sure that we... That we understand this. The devil wants to distract us from those two things. Prayer and what was the other one? Evangelism. He wants to distract us from that because that's his side of the spiritual warfare deal. So here's how we fight when we're in spiritual warfare with the enemy. We keep praying to God. And we keep reaching out, doing what we can. And that's it. Therefore... Let's further the kingdom. That's the end game of our spiritual warfare, the kingdom of Christ through prayer and through, here's another word for evangelism, the proclamation of the truth. Because it's the proclamation of the truth that sets people free. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. But you know that's only half the verse. The first half is about the word of God. It's not just any old truth. It's the word of God and you shall know that truth and that truth shall set you free. Would you please stand? Father, I thank you that you somehow invite us to rule the universe. <laughs>
with you and you, you call us, invite us to do it by, by inviting us to pray. God, as June said earlier tonight, this is a mystery. It's a mystery, all right, but we see it in Scripture. And so, Lord, we thank you that you give us this privilege of being a part of your story of redemption for all of mankind and the redemption of our state and to see people come to know Christ when all others say it can't be done, people don't listen anymore, it's hard soil, it's impossible. And we thank you, God, that you are the God of the impossible. You are the God that can turn cold hearts into warm, open hearts. You are the God who can open blind eyes. You are the God who can take people out of the domain of darkness and bring them in to the glorious light of the knowledge of Christ. And so, Father, that's what we pray. We pray, Lord, that you would use us, your church, to proclaim the truth. And Father, we pray that that proclamation would have your anointing, your authority, your power on it, so that people would come to know the truth and that they would turn to Christ and their lives would be set free from the bondage of Satan. So Father, may we know the love of God the Father, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship with the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. As we've heard tonight, there are demons, principalities, and powers of darkness. But unlike them, God is unique. He's not created. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent and omnipotent and immutable. He's the one you want on your side in any battle. More from Dr. Corbett next week on spiritual warfare. Dr. Corbett is pastor of Lagana Christian Church and president of ICI Theological College Australia. Thank you for joining us. We look forward to meeting with you again at the same time next week for another Finding Truth Matters.